0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back for yet another podcast episode here at Boca. And uh, I want to welcome a new friend of mine, Brittany Smith. Brittany, thank you so much for making time for the Boca podcast today.
1: You're very welcome.
0: And we, we managed to um, kind of get past some technical issues there. And you've been very patient with me. So I appreciate that. I think we're good <laughs> to go now. And um, we're going to be talking about IPS, in-person sales for senior photography today, senior portrait photography. It's, it's wonderful to be able to have... Yet another perspective on this topic, which, you know, I never did in-person sales per se, at least not systematically as a professional photographer. And from what I hear, I, I missed out. And I think you probably you probably share a similar perspective.
1: Yes. <laughs> um, there's
0: a really wonderful opportunity for photographers to be able to add significant revenue to their bottom line through in-person sales. And so anyway, we're going to get into those, those details and more specifically with regards to senior portrait photography here in just a little bit. Uh, You and I had the opportunity, I have to mention this at the outset, we had the opportunity to meet, I think, uh, initially at the Cookout Conference in Atlanta, the photography conference uh, in Atlanta, uh, put on by Tamiya Colvin. I, I have to say, this is one of the most incredible workshops or conferences that I've ever had the opportunity to go to. It was just an amazing, amazing energy to it. Wouldn't you agree?
1: Yes, I agree. It was almost like I went to a conference where I met up with all of my cousins.
0: <laughs> yeah, um,
1: everybody was so friendly. It's like everyone was family. Hundred percent. I really enjoyed it.
0: Hundred percent. And you know, as many conferences and workshops as there are to go to these days, uh, I, I think you know this is something that we've actually seen happen at WPPI. Have you had the chance to go to WPPI before? No, I haven't. Okay, so WPPI. For those listening in who aren't familiar with it, of course, it's it's one of the the largest, really, probably at this point the largest has been the largest uh, wedding and portrait. Conference and trade show in the country, potentially in the world I think there 's a, there's a large one in, in Germany that that may be even bigger than wppi, but regardless Wppi has kind of been like the trade show to go to, and yet the thing that, that we 've has hit home more and more in the last um, two or three years in particular is how impersonal it can feel and you know as photographers we don 't have a ton of extra money to spend on going to, to trade shows and workshops and conferences, and if we 're going to spend that money. Certainly, we want to get some education from it. We want to learn something that right. we can go apply to our business so it gets better. But the opportunity to be able to actually connect with people is one of the most valuable elements, I think, of going to a workshop or a trade show or a conference. And the cookout was just absolutely incredible in that regard. You're absolutely right. It felt like family. Um, right. the, the the energy that people had that that drove a a seeming genuine desire to connect is unlike uh most conferences that I've ever been to. It was amazing. So anyway, I had to have to give uh Tamaya and the Cookout Conference a, a plug. I think the next one's already sold out. It's gonna be in New Orleans, correct?
1: Yes. My and, hometown. <laughs> oh,
0: that's awesome. Well yes. and, and um and, and so for those of you who aren't familiar with it, we'll at least link to the Cookout Conference information about it online. Maybe you can follow it and try to get to the next one that's not sold out. But it, it was it was an amazing conference. And again fortunately you and I had the opportunity to connect as a result. And uh, we have you here today. Normally, the the first thing that we talk about here at the podcast is something that we call a technique for time. Um, I know that uh, being a mother, you're busy. And then on top of that, you're a photographer, a business owner. That adds way, way more to your plate. And the idea of creating a little bit of space for yourself or the important people in your life amidst all the busyness can be really difficult. But I'm curious if there's something like a tool, a technique, a workflow tip that you might have that has enabled you to create a little bit more space for yourself in your life?
1: Yes, actually um, I have one, uh, my oldest daughter, she's in grade school. And then my other two, they're in daycare. I had, I finally had to get to a place where I had to decide in order to have time for my business as well as myself. I had to put them in daycare for half of the day. So after I dropped them to school, I come back, prepare for my day, I take the the first moment, and just for me, I meditate, I um journal. I am a Christian, so I usually journal and write to God all of the plans and everything that I have, my thought um, process, and it just kind of helped me start my day.
0: okay, this is interesting, so there are multiple talking points here. first of all, you know you, you hear there's probably a hashtag that goes around mom guilt that that mothers mm-hmm. a lot of times feel guilty for prioritizing themselves or prioritizing yes. even something like a business. Is that something that you ever dealt with? And and how did you find what what felt like a, a healthy balance for you and your family?
1: Yes. For a while, my, my kids are close in age. They're um, five, three, and one. So that first year with my daughter, it took me a little bit of time to make time for myself. I did everything. I centered everything around her and my family. And then as the other two came along, I finally had to come to a place where okay it's time for me to take a little bit time of time for myself if not I won't be as healthy as I need to be for them so that's when I made the decision to put them in childcare and then now she's in great school so it kind of made everything flow a little bit better
0: and what what was their I mean was was it tough to initially send them to daycare did they have a hard time with that did they end up ultimately benefiting from it i mean that the social aspect in and of itself seems like it could have been great
1: Yes, everything turned out great. Um, It didn't go, actually, it was my husband and myself who were kind of on the fence about sending them to school. yeah. But once they got in, they were, they were fine. I didn't have any issues with any of them.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. And then you mentioned, um, you mentioned journaling, which again is a topic in and of itself. I'm particularly curious though, and this is something that I've asked various guests that have come on the show about meditation. I'm fascinated Mm -hmm. by meditation. I've seen wonderful benefit from meditation. It's something that I need to do way, way more of. Uh, But I'm, particularly fascinated by the process that different people implement when it comes to meditation. So if you don't mind sharing, what what does that process look like for you? How do you go about it? And maybe even give a little bit of a backstory as to how you even got into it in the first place.
1: Yes, I've always been a writer. Um, it kind of helps me cope with things that I've been through in life and just kind of keeping my sanity. <laughs> yeah. So the first thing I do um, when I meditate I know a lot of people, they put on meditation music and everything. But for me, I like to put on gospel music, um, soft gospel music. And then from there, I just sit and I I write in my journal. I talk to God about all the, I thank him, first of all, for all the things that he's done for me. Hmm. And I kind of manifest the things that I see for myself. One of the biggest things I had a problem with, I always saw things that I wanted for myself, but I was kind of fearful to go out and take that on so upon last year, I kind of made a vow to myself that I would step out a little bit more. And upon journaling, it's funny that everything that I um, wrote in my journal, it manifested in my life. Um wow. So it's just, that's one of the, the positive things. I like to sit down and I like to talk to God and write in my journal and just thank Him and manifest those things into my life. And it, it really helped, clears it clears my mind. It keeps me a positive person hmm. and keeps me in the right mind frame that I need to be in. So it helps a lot.
0: That That's really, really good. I mean, even just that simple act of thankfulness on a daily basis, I can imagine, makes a big, big difference. So would you suggest but, then that the... I mean is is the meditation and the journaling kind of one and the same mhm okay
1: yes it's it's one and the same um I just kind of when i when I drop the kids off, I come back, I put on my soft gospel music and it helps me through the day, and I sit down and I journal
0: that's wonderful, okay, well, I really appreciate you sharing that with us and and you know there's there is something to be said for balancing the busy with. Space, a space, particularly for our mental and psychological or psychological health, emotional health, rather, uh, mm-hmm. it, it's particularly important to even if it's just a few minutes to sit in the quiet, to be present. And um, I, I think this is a really great tip, piece of advice. Yeah. And in fact, I, I would use this as a segue to to um, ask you, a, a, I guess, a related question. And that is, is, mm-hmm. is this related in any way to the idea of being more centered, more present? This is something I've been asking our guests as of late. Is is that journaling the the biggest component of your ability to be able to stay centered?
1: Actually, it is. I've always been more a layback, observant person. Okay, um, I kind of didn't speak out on anything, and just journaling um, it kind of helped me put myself more in a centered position. It helps me to be able to speak out more and um, be able to talk more about who I am and what my photography brand stands for. Um, All of those things just kind of help me speak out more as of who I am.
0: Well, it seems like it would be a really wonderful opportunity to be able to, I mean, kind of the old school phrase is to collect your thoughts, right? But to actually be clear Mm -hmm. about what it is that you think or know about a particular topic. And I I think a lot of people, I've noticed this even as an interviewer um, doing this podcast, that a lot of people haven't taken the time to really think through for example, what drives their behavior on a day-to-day basis or right. what their brand position is. And, and as a result, then how they're spending time in their business. And of course, so many other things. And I've certainly been guilty of the same. It's actually taking the time consistently the way that you are to think through the various elements of your life, personal and professional, to be very clear about where you stand and then how that translates to the way that you're going to live. It's, it's really, really powerful. And honestly, I'm pretty inspired by it. I just I just purchased a a physical notebook for the sake of kind of mind mapping Mm -hmm. and maybe doing a little bit of writing as well. And uh, I'm going to, I think I'm going to take a cue from you here and and, (laughs) uh, put a little bit more effort into that. I think it's a great, great idea. Let's talk a little bit about reading and and what are the most impactful books maybe that you've read, whether it's been in in recent months or in in past years, what comes to mind there?
1: The most impactful book I have read is Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just coming up, um, my family itself, we were more middle class. We um, we really didn't have a lot, but we weren't taught how to financially prepare for the future. Hmm. And I got married young and my husband, he was always the type of person that he's on top of finances. And he was the one who presented this book to me. Interesting. And upon reading this book, it just changed my entire mindset from Wanting to be financially free, have financial freedom, mm. um, learning how to make money work for you, which is another thing that goes into in-person sales. Just it, it impacted my life so much that it changed the way that I thought about finances, money. And then another thing as a business business owner, it, it, it helped me to, I, I always knew that I wanted to be able to be home with my kids. I didn't want a job that allowed me so much time with them. And it kind of taught me, okay, you have to get up this time, take your lunch at this time, eat at this time. When can you take vacation? I didn't want that. And so this book helped me prepare to go out and be able to Take care of my finances in the way that I need to so that I could create generational wealth, not only for me, but for generations to come. So wow. it, it, this is the most impactful book that I've read.
0: Wow. Wow. You know, it's actually been a long time since I've read this book. We'll we'll make sure for those of you listening in, make sure that you check out the show notes because Haley will be linking to the various resources that we discuss in this episode at bokehpodcast.com. And you can see the show notes for this particular episode and other episodes as well. It's honestly, it's a wealth of information. So we'll link to this book. I read this particular book years ago, and it, mm-hmm. was, it was highly impactful. But, you know, I have to say, too, that at that stage in my life, I just had a different perspective. I was quite a bit younger, didn't have the life experience, and I think maybe it, it, it may be good for me to go back and reread the book again, because I, I would venture that, um, unlike some books that I've read where I've, I've taken the information and I've acted on it and I've implemented okay. it in my life, I don't know that that particular book was one that I, I took and applied to my life as, as well as I should have uh um, right. because there are some as you point out some pretty important principles innate to that book but i it's so powerful that the phrase generational wealth holds such weight and that's incredible that you're yes. thinking about this in a much bigger picture than just yourself yes uh, but i also love that you're thinking about your finances in terms of how to to be I guess ultimately establish yourself financially in such a way that it gives you freedom, flexibility so that you're not strapped to your business as you were describing <laughs> earlier. Right. And that's so powerful too. And such a reflection of what we focus so much on here at the book of podcasts. So we'll make sure to link to this book in the show notes. And that's a really wonderful suggestion. I appreciate you sharing that. Let's talk about your photography business. Just maybe a bit of the backstory. How did you get started as a photographer and how long have you been in business so far?
1: I've been in business for this year makes 11 years and I started I started photography when I was in my senior year of high school. I would take pictures for the high school yearbook and I wasn't as serious. Then I just kind of took pictures, you know, and then going into college is when I became more serious. Um, I took more classes and then, of course, family members, my twin sister, she was my model all the time, (laughs) just so that I could get the, um, the experience that I needed. And then it quickly turned into a business.
0: Wow. Okay. So, but you said eleven years. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Eleven years. What would you say in that eleven years is has been the the toughest lesson or one of the toughest lessons that you've learned? And I think why this question is particularly important, of course, is particularly especially if we have new photographers listening in. Uh, we want to help them avoid making similar mistakes, right? Um, I one of the the biggest mistakes that I made up front, actually. Speaking of finances, and this is something I've shared on the, the podcast many times before, is that I didn't put enough weight and priority on proactively managing my finances as a photographer. And that really came back to bite me.
1: Yes. <laughs> and
0: and so that that would be a mistake that I would share just as an example. But what's something that comes to mind, one of the toughest lessons that you learned as a business owner and as a photographer that you might be willing to share with our
1: listeners? To kind of piggyback on that, not charging my worth was one of the biggest lessons that I learned. Because when I wasn't charging my worth, I wasn't making enough um, for my family And um, my family suffered because of that. And I quickly learned that if I if I don't charge my work for one thing, I'm attracting clients that are not my ideal client Hmm. and I won't be able to meet the financial needs that I must have for my family. The toughest lessons that I had to learn, of course, I wanted to be reasonable, but all of the time reasonable isn't what my family needs.
0: Ooh, that that's a really interesting way to put it. I don't think I've heard it framed that way before. So, would you be willing to be a bit more specific with us when when you're talking about not charging enough? Uh, and and by the yeah. way, I I love that I love that you frame this whole thing again with you know, you mentioned that idea of generational wealth earlier, talking about taking care of your family now and for the future. You're you're framing this not in in a way that is I guess ultimately centered around your ability as a photographer and the artwork as much as what do I need to be charging for the sake of taking care of my family, and right. you know I, I think that we a lot of times is, is in the photography industry have overcomplicated the conversation around establishing price point. You know I, I don't know how much to charge, and if I'm doing this particular thing, do I charge this much? And so and so down the street's charging this much, and and this other yep. company across <laughs> the, the the city is charging this much, and 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 I've only been shooting for two. So much of that is irrelevant at the end of the day. We have right. needs that need to be met personally. And then if we have a family or otherwise, then, then we need to make sure that those needs are met as well. And so you can start on a very practical level. So I have to, I have to commend you for that because it's, it's a really wonderfully practical and ultimately inspirational mindset that I think many of our listeners could, could potentially learn from. But talk to us a little bit about what it looked like before versus now, and, and maybe more specifically with regards to the actual prices you were charging.
1: Yes, in the beginning, I would basically charge a low um, session fee.
0: Okay. And
1: I was one of those shooting barn photographers at the time. I were offered prints, but they were for very cheap. And so the money that I made for the session probably went to gas, um, food for one or two days. And that's it, the money was gone. Mm. I didn't have a savings. I couldn't figure out how I was going to pay for new equipment that I needed or make the conferences or even feed my family for over these next two days and then you kind of get to that point where you're shooting all the time and you're kind of getting burnt out because it's not what you love to do right but you're just kind of shooting so that you can make money so I kind of had to shift my mindset into what is it that my family needs and not only that my oldest daughter she was born visually impaired so she had multiple surgeries um by the age by by the time that she turned two so this was a lot of back and forth to a the biggest children's hospital, um, about an hour and a half from me. So I didn't have enough money to even feed my family. I didn't have enough money to make um, visits, these type of things. And I just had to come and have a come to Jesus meeting, just say that, and just sit and think. What is it that I need to change in my business so that my my family can survive? I can't afford to be reasonable. Everybody isn't going to be my ideal client, so there's some things that I need to change in my business.
0: Oh man, I, I really truly have so much respect for your perspective because <laughs> it, again, it supersedes ego. It supersedes art. Um, it's, it's very, very practical in nature and it's centered around taking care of your needs and your family's needs. And I, I think that's just, I think it's a wonderful place to start when it comes to this idea of pricing. Um, and we could probably do a whole different, really a whole different episode on, on this topic of pricing. And, and maybe we can even do an episode two with you, Brittany, at some point and, and get into that in a little bit more detail, because I think for a lot of photographers making that even more practical would be extremely helpful. But let's, yeah. for, for now, let's kind of shift a different direction. Something that we talk a lot about here on the podcast is something called brand position. I'm curious what your photography business's brand position is and how you effectively communicate that to potential clients.
1: So my, um, my business, the Glam Lab Photography, it's a high-end boutique portrait studio. And a lot of my clients, they often, they love the experience that I give them. They always say that I make them feel special, glamorous for one thing, and then a lot of a lot of my clients, they just, they, they love the overall experience um, itself. So when I look at my business and the position of it, it's more of a high-end now, more than what it was when I first started out, um, high-end boutique business.
0: And, and by the way, for those of you listening in, you can check out Brittany's website if you just go to the glamlabphoto.com, just like it sounds. And of course, we'll link to this in the show notes. Uh, Brittany's also on Instagram at the Glam Lab Photography. And just like it sounds, we'll also link to that in the show notes. But you talked about a high end boutique and specifically, again, the experience. And this is something that we've spent, also spent a lot of time on at the podcast the significance of experience over uh, putting too much priority on photography. We all know that we need to take a, a decent picture and learning the technique necessary for that purpose is important. And in some cases, photography, the actual photography, the photographs can set us apart from another photographer. But let's all be real. Most of our clients, potential clients are not artists. They don't have an art background. If they say that they like your work over somebody else's, they're probably not going to be able to say why. So At the end of the day, when we have thousands and thousands of people taking great pictures, professionals and non professionals alike, because also let's be real, our phones these days can take incredible pictures and someone can get lucky and take a great picture. Um, It comes down to experience, I think, which is going to set us apart more than the photography when it comes to positioning our brand against potential or positioning our brand for potential clients against our so called competition. And so I like that you, that you focus on that experience element. That's really, really important, particularly when you're working with hiring clients. Let's, let's kind of again shift a different direction here, though, because we're going to get back to that experience that you're providing for your, for your senior portrait clients here in just a second. Talk to us about gear for a second. What is a favorite piece of gear in your camera bag these days? My
1: 85. My 85. That's my favorite My favorite lens. Um, I shoot with a Canon 6D. I also have a 70D. My 70D D been with me for a few years, so I kind of find myself going back to her. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of gave her her. <laughs> but um, even though she's a uh, crop sensor, I, I still love to use her. But I love to use my 85, especially for portraits.
0: You know, I actually have a Canon 70D that I use for mainly for creating video content for the mm-hmm. photographer's edit brand. And it's a, it's a great little camera. You know, I, there's, mm-hmm. there's really no need. I mean, a lot of people might look at that particular camera and say, well, that's not a, quote, professional camera. And the reality is right. the technology innate to that camera is way beyond what most of us probably actually capitalize on in many cases, right? I agree. It, what it's <laughs> capable of is, is just incredible. And the fact that you can do both video, especially if we're going to create content to promote our brand or even shoot video for clients it 's built in and it, and it does a beautiful, beautiful job with that, but then I actually shot a wedding uh, with it not mm-hmm. too long ago as well, and um, it, it, does a, it does a fine job um, as long as you 're aware of how to to most effectively use it and of course, yes, 80, I
1: agree
0: yeah, and then, then the eighty too. is that the eighty five one four which which lens is it
1: yeah it 's one four
0: yeah the, the eighty five one four I mean the compression. Um, that, that shallow depth of field to beautiful portrait lens for sure. is. And,
1: that's what I love. <laughs> do
0: And would you say that you use that? I mean, is it, is that kind of the, that's the go-to lens for any of your portrait sessions or is there anything else that you mix in with it?
1: A 50. I use the 85 majority of the time. Okay. Um, but I also, my go-to lens is a 50.
0: Okay. Yeah. Another favorite for sure. That, that is a, is it the one four as well? Yes. Yeah. And, and I've said this before in the podcast, but if you're new and listening in and you're looking for equipment, maybe you're just getting started. You don't have a lot of cash to spend on equipment. The 51-4 is a brilliant, brilliant choice uh, for about 350 bucks. You're getting incredible glass that you can use in a wide variety of scenarios. In fact, you could likely shoot a whole wedding with it and, yes. and certainly a portrait <laughs> session with it if you wanted to. That's that's a really great go-to piece of equipment. A 70D and a 51-4 are heavy set <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> in many ways. Um, oh well, that's great. I appreciate you sharing that. And let's let's get into the kind of the primary topic for today, which is not just senior photography, but IPS, in-person sales for senior photography. But let's talk about the senior photography aspect of it first. What drew you to that genre in particular?
1: Again, my daughter. We okay, so I worked at a dental assistant when I was part-time photography. I didn't go in full time. I was still um, part time. And I had my daughter. She was about one at this time I was expecting with my second daughter. And the dentist that I worked for called me into the office and she said, well, Brittany, you're having to be off work too much with your daughter. So I would suggest you go see a geneticist because if this baby is born with the same impairment that my oldest daughter had, then she was going to fire me. Oh my word. So, um, Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> at that time, I just kind of walked away and I I felt that I didn't want for someone else to have that type of authority over my life. So I walked away that day. I didn't return. And I, again, sat down, took a big look at my business and I knew hmm. that I needed to make some changes. I needed to rebrand and this had to work. I had no doubts that this was not going to work. I had to make it work. So from there, it just kind of all fell in place. And I, I, I know for sure that this is where my relationship with God comes into place, because I started back offering prints and products at that time. And I'm not going to say that it was an easy road. Um, You kind of just have to learn. um, I had to learn as I went. But he he it wasn't it wasn't. Easy, But he made it a lot easier than what it could have been. Um, It could have went downhill. I could have just walked away and didn't know which direction to go. But he gave me the light to stick with my business. And he kind of got it. He got in my footsteps. I can say that. So that's what drew me to IPS. (laughs)
0: <laughs> okay. So I, this is the IPS side. And I'm also curious about what drew you to to senior portrait photography, but I have to mention something really quickly in passing that yet again, I'm inspired by, and that is your kind of absolute choice to make something work. You said it's not an option for it not to work. It was going to work. It had to work. Uh, and again, for the sake of of your life and for your family, I, I love that absolute mentality. And you know, something that I've uh, been well, ultimately, that I've learned from uh, Tony Robbins, who I, I mentioned probably quite a bit here on the podcast at this point, uh, but I've, I've found a lot of inspiration and I've I've grown from the things that he is, some of the things that he's taught. But one of the things that he mentions when it when it comes to making a choice, the significance of making it truly making a choice is that you get rid of all other options. Mm-hmm. Um, when when you make a choice to do something, but it's kind of you're kind of half-assing it or, or going halfway with it. Um, right. it, it leaves room for the possibility of not necessarily failure, but not going not, uh-huh. all in or going as hard as you, you could. And that opens up the possibility or, or increases rather the possibility of failure. When you say, when you make truly make a choice, uh, the way that Tony frames it, when you truly make a choice and you get rid of any other option, sure. this becomes literally the only thing that you can possibly do. It's amazing what can happen in your life. The change that right. you can make, and in this case, what you can do with your business, and so I have to again laud you for the the incredibly inspirational mentality that you bring to your life and to your business is really encouraging. Um, you mentioned what drew you to IPS. Was there anything particular about senior photography as a genre that that drew you in?
1: Yes, um, I've always enjoyed shooting seniors. A lot of the kids I mentor, they look at me like a aunt. So my biggest Thing was helping them prepare for one of the biggest milestones in their life. Um, that's something that I truly enjoy. And I know as a teenager, um, high school senior, you go through peer pressure, social rejection, mm. uh, wanting to feel accepted. So I kind of wanted to create a place where they came and they just, they felt special. I listened to them. Um, they're able to be who, who they are. And a lot of times when I photograph seniors and I show them the image, they're like, Wow that that's really me and just that feeling of helping them see who they truly are. Wow. I, I love that. So yeah. um that was the, my main focus for um shooting seniors.
0: Wow. I love that. I like like you're trying to actually make an impact in somebody's life through your photography. Yes. Again, going to something that has a deeper meaning than just creating art or taking a picture or doing something for yourself. You're actually trying to serve these clients and and that's just beautiful. Talk to us a little bit more, though, about the IPS side of things. Um, you, you explained what drew you to it initially. What was, your, like, what was your real first exposure to it? How did you begin to learn what it meant to implement that in your business?
1: After I started, I knew that I wanted to start offering IPS. I kind of made, made adjustments to my pricing. And then my first senior client um, that came to me, I kind of, you have to test the waters, basically. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so I tested the waters um, with her. And I quickly, I found out that you have to, I played on her reactions, emotions. So I kind of seen where, how she felt about everything. And then I went back to, I went back to um, the importance of offering prints and products. So from there, the first experience, um, it, ran, it went really well because my client trusted, they trusted me and I had a relationship with them. I didn't make much that first IPS but I, I learned tips and tricks of how to um, generate the income that I needed.
0: Did you, did you pull those, I mean, it, just even the idea of IPS and and the technique behind it, did you learn that from any particular book or another photographer? Or was this just something that, um, it, just, it just happened organically for you? Where did you get that?
1: No, I've always had a sales background. And not only that, um, just making myself knowledgeable and finances, it kind of helped me to, with IPS. Um, just doing my research and and knowing sales and how to sell your client, um, that that basically helped me and helped set me up for IPS. So just having that background is really what helped me.
0: And would you say, I mean, you say you have a sales background, so you've got experience selling. You probably learned to overcome any, any innate fear to that process. But a lot of photographers. In fact, I would even raise my hand here. I'm not necessarily a, a salesperson. I like having a conversation and, and sharing, for example, the value of photographers edit with another photographer, how it can save them time, what that translates to as far as the amount of time they can spend with, with their family, with their friends, loved ones, things that they can then do with that time to help build their business. It's easy to talk about it in a way that is conversational, but this idea of sitting down and you have a product here or a series of products that you're trying to sell to somebody can be potentially overwhelming to a photographer. They're afraid of being a salesperson or sounding too salesy. How did you learn to overcome that fear?
1: I overcome that overcame that fear. I was a life insurance agent. Okay. Um, So that kind of makes sense. Not only that I did annuities with families and, and clients and, you know, at that time you have to stress the importance of having assets for your family. And when you, when you pass along, just having that that income for your family to be able to live off of. Hmm. Um, so I knew how to, I knew the importance of prints and products and just having that for generations to come. Yeah. So by me, by me having that type of background, um, when I talk to my clients, I don't want them to feel like I'm selling them anything. Okay. But more than anything, I want them to know the importance of why do you need to purchase an album or why do you need to purchase prints and products and have these memories on your walls and coffee table. It's for it's not just for you. It's for generations to come. It's for your kids. It's for um, their kids. An uh, example that I use when my family and I get back together during the holidays, my mom has a box that she keeps all of our pictures in. Yeah. So we will all sit down and we will go through the pictures and just bring those emotions that you get from looking back at that. Yes. Um, that's the importance of it. And that's a, a example that I use with my clients. And then it's like, aha, I get it. Then they, they understand the importance of needing the prints and products.
0: Well, there are a couple of things there. First, you're just focusing on the value, right? It's not like I'm trying right. to sell you as many products as possible. It's more about just focusing on the communication of the value behind this product. And you're speaking to the emotions of the clients and relating from your own personal experience. That's the other thing that, that comes to mind here. It's, it's yeah. a lot easier to, to, quote, sell something when you're sh- simply s- uh, sharing the value innate to this particular product or service that you can relate to, and you can speak to your personal experience. In this case, with your mom pulling out those box of photos, I think it's a great example. You can speak to personal experience and relate right. that to the conversation with the client, and and again, it becomes much more conversational at that point. And you're simply wanting them to have a similar experience that that you have, and right. so the sale, the the, the quote salesmanship uh, or saleswomanship becomes much more natural uh, because it, it comes from a natural place. It comes from inside, from your personal experience. I think that's really, really great. Let's, let's make this really practical and tangible for our listeners. Um, talk to us, talk us through the, the process. What are the steps in your IPS workflow uh, from booking a client to photographing the client to selling to the client that set you up for success with IPS?
1: Okay. So when my client um, first booked me, we sit down, have a consultation just so I can get to know who they are. Um, you always want to build a relationship with your clients so that they trust you, of course, throughout the process. And from there, um, we shoot. We come back the next day. I send them two sneak peeks. Um, they actually don't see their images until the premier ordering session or IPS session. And at the IPS session, I will bring along an iPad or a computer if it's in a client's home of course I will plug my laptop into their TV and then we we watch a slideshow this is where they see their images for the very first time they're super excited um, about it that's about two weeks after the shoot I bring out all of my samples um, for them to see and i I bring up I use pixie set so their pixie set gallery and we go through the images individually they're able to pick the ones that they Absolutely love, maybe, and then the no images that they don't want. And from there, we order. Whatever it is that they want, we'll place their order. Um, And then for prints and products, I get it back to them within five to seven business days. Albums usually two to three weeks. Wow. Um, I always, yes, I always... Give them a little bit more time, even though I can have their images back the next day, um, just so I can give them a little bit of a surprise. So I always I don't try I don't over promise them and say, hey, your images are going to be back tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. So if they really don't make it, um, I have a few days from there. It just kind of makes everything easier for me i don't overpromise the client from the beginning i build a relationship with them so that they trust me throughout the process and i also get to know who they are i've had clients that after the ips session they come back and order more prints and products and then at the the ips session i always make sure that they don't forget grandma and grandpa their aunts and uncles when they're ordering so after we're done with their entire order we will go into ordering for other family members
0: Okay. This is a lot. I, I, I was actually jotting down notes here as, as you're talking and I want to go back to some of this This is really, really interesting. And, and there's some really great stuff in there, too. So um, first, I actually want to go back to the meeting in the meeting. Do you set do you do anything to kind of set expectations for the client? With regard to the fact that you, your approach, I mean, I'm you know, if we say IPS to a client that they're not going to know what that no, is. I so I, I mean. wouldn't expect <laughs> you to use that word, but do you do anything in the way that you manage their expectations during that, that initial meeting when you book them to help set their mind up, I guess, for a more effective oh, sales going- session down the road? Yeah.
1: Yes. Um, Actually, after they're aware of my session fee and minimum order fee up front. So I do I do have a minimum order fee up front. And how I explain that to the client, I just let them know this is the minimum order that they have to reach. And I also tell them what my clients normally spend. So they will have the expectation of what clients normally spend when they're at their premiere Ordering session, so I don't kind of blindside them. I let them know upfront what they're okay. what they are looking to spend at the IPS session.
0: Okay, cool. So that happens at the meeting. So you're you're managing expectations again. Something that we talk quite a bit about in the podcast these days because I, th- I think it's it's important. You know, we, we have a relationship with these clients, and innate to a good relationship is good communication. The fact that right. you're proactively communicating with them in detail about what this process is going to look like, that's great. And, and like you said, you're not blindsiding them because blindsiding someone, now it feels like a, like you're being sold to, again, kind of in, th- in the traditional way. Right. Um, so I love that you're managing the your expectations. All right. So then the shoot, are you shooting for a particular number of images, again, understanding Kind of in your mind, like, do you have something in your mind's eye, which is, all right, I need to shoot this many images, this many poses, because I know that when it gets to the sales session, I can sell more effectively if I do so.
1: No, not really. Um, With my clients, we have about an hour and a half to two hour um, session now in studio and on location. So I listen to the client at the consultation. I have a questionnaire that I ask the seniors. What is it that they want their senior session to look like? We also pick out wardrobe and everything so that I'll have an upfront, I would know upfront, what their session would kind of look like in my head. Okay, cool. Um, so from there, I just kind of shoot. I don't really count poses or anything. I just, I shoot and I, I retouch about 25 images, 25 to 30 images. And that's what I display to the client, their best images. I don't show anything unedited before. I don't let the client go through all of the unedited images just because that can just create a longer process.
0: (laughs) Oh, for sure. Yeah. But, you know, it was interesting that you mentioned two sneak peeks and and a day where photographers are posting, um, maybe it's not quite as common as it was, say, a year or two ago, but like you'd see some photographers on a blog post share like 100 images from a wedding, for example. (laughs) And and it seems to almost defeat the purpose of certainly creating any kind of surprise. You know, the idea of teasing something with a few images is is awesome. But 100 images, you might as well just posted the whole gallery. Um, yes. <laughs> two sneak peeks is really great. How did you come up with that particular number? Why, why did you decide only to share just a couple? And do you do that like through email or social media or how do you go about it?
1: Um, usually I will send it to the clients first through email and then thereafter I will post to social media. But okay. I sent two sneak peeks because I want them to be excited when they get to their premier ordering session. Yeah. Um, and I sent it the next day because after their session is done i want them to still be excited about their session i want them to tell their friends about their experience so if i send them the sneak peek the next day versus the next week they're still excited about their session Mm -hmm. and they're talking about it to their friends and now their friends want the same experience that they had.
0: okay that's uh, that's really really good so then the ips session itself you said about two weeks later and um, you're not over promising, under delivering here. You're, you give give them a, a few days yes. and, and then you have that IPS session. You're calling it a premier ordering session. Is that a ordering a, session? Is that a phrase that you came up with or is that something innate to IPS?
1: It's just a phrase that I came up with premier ordering session, it just makes them feel you know, seniors they want to feel really special. Yeah. So if they're if they're getting this premiere ordering session, they're they're super excited, okay, today is the day that I'm going to order my product. I'm going to order my senior pictures. They're talk- they're excited about it, um, so that's just kind of a term that I came up with.
0: Okay, I like it. And and when <laughs> and it comes to actually picking the favorites out, you're going through the pixie set gallery and you're marking those favorite images. How then do you create a sense of urgency in the ordering process? I know that they have have a minimum product order that they need to place. Uh, but do yeah. you do anything else to kind of create urgency, which encourages even more sales?
1: Yes. At the IPS session, they're expected to pay their minimum order fee up front. If they go over the minimum order fee and they need um, a little bit more time to pay, I do offer installments to my clients, but I don't drag them out. So, okay.
0: And can I ask, because I, I think our listeners are probably going to be curious too, what, what, your, what your session fee and your minimum order fees are?
1: Yes, my um, my minimum order fee is eight fifty. Okay. Session fee is two eighty five. Okay, cool. My clients always exceed that, and I'll tell you how they always go over the minimum order fee. I just kind of set my minimum order fee lower and my product pricing higher, so either way, they will exceed that price.
0: <laughs> okay. Okay, got it. If that makes sense. So, but back to the, the question because I think I kind of interrupted you. The the creating that sense of urgency there, what encourages them then to buy even more product as they're ordering? As, aside from obviously the experience that you're providing them and, and your wonderful photography, th- do you create some kind of a deadline that, hey, these images will only be available for order for X amount of time or anything like that?
1: Um, no, the, the only thing that I do is, of course, they're expected to pay the minimum order fee Front, I do offer installments for my clients that need it. But before we leave the IPS session, um, they give me dates that they're going to make their next two installments. I try not to drag it out too long yeah. because then the client they're no longer interested. So we we set dates at that time, and then what gets more sales? Um, the more you spend, I then add di- digitals images. Okay. So um, if you spend a little bit more, you get your di- digitals, and then another thing that I do, I let them order for grandma and grandpa, aunts and uncles. Right. So that that adds to the sale.
0: Okay. Very good. Very good. Well, I, I really appreciate you sharing this process and it was quite eye-opening in, in some ways. it's I, I love kind of hearing what a process looks like for an individual photographer and you've implemented some things here. Particularly, I, I like the the idea of a minimal sneak peek where, <laughs> again, our tendency is to kind of overshare these days. Uh, just to tease okay. them a little bit. And, and like you said, it's important to, to do that right away while they're still really excited about the session. And, you know, two weeks is a, is a relatively, I guess it's a relatively quick turnaround time to actually have finished product. I'm even more impressed though, by a five to seven business day turnaround time on product. That is really, yeah. really quick. What, <laughs> what enables you to be able to do that?
1: The lab that I use, (laughs) actually. um, I try to get my clients, um, once we're done with the premiere ordering session, I kind of try to hurry and get their things done um, so that I'm on to the next client. I don't want them to feel rushed. But of course, like for me, spring is my super busy season. I'm always overbooked. So I just try to get things done pretty quickly and then on to the next client.
0: Okay. So you mentioned your lab that enables you to be able to turn around that quickly. Which lab are you working with? Miller's. Miller's. Okay, cool. So,
1: yes. Usually next day. <laughs>
0: that's Yeah, that's amazing. Yes. <laughs> well, well, of course, we'll make sure to link to them in the show notes as well. Again, for those of you listening in, the show notes are going to be at bokehpodcast.com. And if, if Brittany's episode is not the first one that pops up there, you can just quickly search her name in the little search bar there and see the show notes for this episode. We'll link to Miller's there as well. Um, just in closing, Brittany, if you don't mind, let's let's make this even more practical and tangible for our listeners. Are there a few principles that you can share with our listeners uh, that they should keep in mind if they want to begin implementing IPS in their photography business?
1: Yes. Um, The first thing I want to say is build a relationship with your client. Mm. Um, You want to make sure that your client trusts you. If your client doesn't trust you, then that won't make the process any easier. Um, The second thing is value. Remind the client of the value of their their prints and products and why they need these images on their coffee tables and walls and for generations to come. Um, The last thing I want to share is do not undercut yourself. Um, As I said before, I have my minimum order lower and my pricing higher so that my clients always exceed my minimum order fee. But I do that in a way that it's always the way that people perceive things. If I have my minimum order fee at $1,600, most people will be like, "Mm, no, I'm sorry, I can't afford that. Right. But if you put it in a way that it's the way that they perceive it, like my minimum order fee is lower and my product pricing is higher, they always exceed that. And I always set the expectation or always let them know what it is that my clients normally spend so that they are expected to pay this amount. So yeah, that's the the biggest thing. Do not undercut yourself. A lot of photographers that I've talked to over time, they always make that excuse of what if my clients want? I won't have clients anymore. Of course, you're going to lose a, f- a few clients. And to be honest, that wasn't your ideal client. Right. Um, You're going to lose a few people and that's okay. Um, You just kind of have to uh, build your business and stay firm on your pricing. And like I I do, I offer installments to my clients so they can, you know, I can help them out a little bit, but I don't want to set it up in a way that, you know, the client is getting over on me. So that's, that's a few things to think about when you're starting the IPS process.
0: You mentioned the relationship as the first thing mm-hmm. and, and building trust. Is there anything in particular that you do? I mean, I, I can imagine that at least some of your clients are referrals, so they already know who you are because their friend or their family member also worked with you and they naturally trust yes. you because of that. But are there any things in particular that you do during that initial meeting or even doing the shoot that kind of encourages that trust or builds that trust?
1: Um, when I meet with my clients, I kind of get a questionnaire. I, I do a questionnaire so that I can know more about them. I can talk to them and see what it is that they want for their session or um, what type of things that they like. So I just kind of sit down and talk with them just so that they're more comfortable with me.
0: And it, it just taking time to actually genuinely right. get to know people. You know, I, I I'll go back to the very beginning of our conversation we were talking about Uh, The cookout conference, again, one of the things that was just so, and maybe the most poignant uh, thing about that conference, uh, and it's just not something that I see readily at other conferences, is the genuine desire by people attending the conference to get to know one another, to have real conversation that goes beyond just like, hey, how's it going? Or, you know, yes. how's your day today? I'm fine. Good. Thanks. All right. See ya. You know, the, this kind of the, the, the surface level conversation that we are all, I, even I'm guilty of it at times that there's a tendency to do because it's easier or we don't have a ton of time or, you know, we're tired, so we don't want to make the effort. But the the simple act of taking time to be genuinely interested in somebody, sure, this is a professional relationship, but at the end of the day, it's a fellow human being. And making a genuine right. effort to get to know them and to your earlier point, Brittany, figure out the best way possible to be able to serve them based on the information that you're collecting from them, uh, okay. that is going to pay dividends and not just financially on, on, a, on a personal human level as well yeah. in a very, very beautiful way. And um, so I think that's a wonderful way to to kind of wrap up this conversation. I really appreciate you making time for the Boca podcast and it's your busy schedule to share um, some really, really wonderful information and ultimately inspirational information uh, as well, Brittany. Thank you so much for that. Can you share with us? Our- You're welcome. Oh, no, it's, it's truly, truly our privilege. And would you share just uh, one more time with our listeners where they can find you online, social media and your website both?
1: Yes, my website, com. Um, you can find me on Facebook at The Glam Lab Photography. Also, if you're interested in knowing more about IPS, I have a Facebook group, um, The Power of IPS with Brittany Smith. Also on Instagram, The Glam Lab Photography.
0: Perfect. And we'll make sure to link to all of these in the show notes. Again, for those of you listening in, B O K E H Com. Haley does a wonderful job of putting together those show notes. Take advantage. Wonderful resource there. Thank you once again, Brittany, for making time for the podcast today.
1: You're
0: welcome. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca podcast today. Will you let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My direct email is Nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com.